I'm Imani Mixon, an arts and culture writer and host, and this is Subject Matters, a podcast about artists, the worlds they live in, and the worlds they wish to create. Have you ever met an artist with just one job? Yeah, me either. Today, artists Faina Lerman and Scott Vincent Campbell join me for a conversation about why finding creative ways to spend your time may be more appealing and sustainable than clinging to the idea of being a hashtag full-time artist. Hey, y'all. Can you please introduce yourselves? Um, My name is Faina Lerman, and I am a painter and performance artist, and um, I'm co-founder of Pops Packing, which is a neighborhood-based art organization on the Hamtramck Detroit border. Um, And I'm a mother of two children. I sometimes refer to Pops Packing as my third child. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the just, there's lots more in there, you know, but as far as titles, I guess that's where I'm at. <laughs> Beautiful. And what about you, Scott? Uh, well, I'm, my name's Scott Vincent Campbell. I'm a visual artist and curator. Um, I'm from New York, and I moved to Detroit in the beginning of 2016. Um, and I'm currently in Chicago getting my MFA at University of Chicago. Um, but I also still keep a studio in Detroit and like to go back as, as often as I can. Um, yeah, I think I've mainly been making sculpture, um, but also do a lot of collage and drawing. And, and as we're going to get into lots of all other kinds of work that end up kind of getting folded into the just the straight studio stuff. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. And it is a fold. I feel like that is a good uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. a good thing to think about. I'm thinking about like the mash game, like just that kind of fold situation where everything comes together. Um, So I'm curious if either of you or both of you identify as a full-time artist um, and also what other full-time responsibilities you have. Uh, Do you want to start? Why don't don't you start, Fanna, and then I'll... Okay. um... Um, It's interesting to think about it as, like, full-time. I don't know how, how you would even be that, I think. I feel like it's so rare that I see people that are really like living full in as just like an artist. Um, For me, I wouldn't say I'm a full-time artist. I'd say I live a, try to live a full-time creative life Mm. um, where I'm learning now with some age and time behind me and experience that it is all it's just, it's one package. Um, and the less pressure I put on myself to be in the studio or to do this or to get ready for this thing, um, I feel I'm much more productive in all aspects of my life, including studio, even if that time is a little more, uh, I'd say sporadic, but I find when I'm in there, I'm, I'm wholly in there um, and making work because it, it feels right. It's not like there's a show coming up or there's this deadline or what whatnot, which is, I feel like I operated that way in the past and that validated me to a certain point. And now um, with family life and other work and projects and things, I, I just had to let that go um, and sort of just appreciate my moments. So I feel like being a full-time artist, then I guess I'm changing my answer. Yes, because it's in there all the time, you know, um, even though that's not how I maybe make my living and that's not like the thing I consider as like the work that I do that sustains me financially or on that level of like survival maybe. Um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that phrasing of just like a full-time creative life. Cause I mm-hmm. feel like that is just like a really, a really accurate descriptor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the goal, I mean, for me has always been to just like, yeah, I just, I just want to be able to make work just in my studio all the time. Um, but then, you know, I mean, I think as I get older, I always, I start questioning whether or not how fulfilling that would really be. If, mm-hmm. okay, let's say if I was only in my studio, just making my own work and doing shows, you know, I think I've, I've gained so much, um, 
I've had so many valuable mentors in my life and so many valuable people in my life that and experiences that I encountered doing other creative things that weren't in my studio that I, mm-hmm. I definitely would have missed out on if um if I was, let's say, out of undergrad, just all of a sudden, you know, like you can just you can just be in your studio, make work and like, you know, you'll have all the shows and all the things that you want as an artist. Like, I think early on, I decided I I, I didn't like the idea of like trying to like divvy up my life. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to be able to approach every moment fully, you know, and be really engaged. Obviously, there's going to be things you don't really want to do. Um, but that's why I said, I really like that, that term kind of this like creative life, you know, mm-hmm. first out of first thing out of school, um, for undergrad, I was doing furniture design for a little bit. Then I started working in galleries and that was like a really, you know, even if I was, you know, working however many 60 hours a week or whatever it was like, I think just being around other artists, being around other curators, you know, like that had my ideas going in different ways. And then when I did get time to go into the studio, all that stuff was kind of, you know, came in through, came out through the hands and then, and then into the work. Um, so that kind of melding, yeah, it was not a full-time artist, but a, mm-hmm. definitely a full-time creative hmm. trying to squeeze out as much studio time as I can. Cause it is, it is also how I think I, I do need that kind of I'm a tactile learner. Uh, I need to touch things and see things and play around with things to even make sense of stuff that's outside of the studio. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I love the idea of like studio time as a place to think things through, because I feel like sometimes we just ingest all the other structures we've been around. Like everything has to have a syllabus. Everything has to have this harsh line to it. Um, So I'm just curious if we are following the idea of having a full creative life, what kind of allowances or boundaries have you set up to make that possible? It can be like recently or maybe a big shift that you noticed happened a couple years ago? Hmm. Um, I think for me, I maybe operated like more like Scott did in the past where like this is before children, but it's still getting your, like just getting your hands into everything. You know, it's more about like experiences as opposed to balancing things. I don't even think that was in my vocabulary at the time. You're just kind of like, I, I, you know, like, this looks great. This is exciting. Yes, I'm going to do that. Yeah, you know, like, I'm going to go to that show. Or yes, I'm going to do, do that project. Yes, you know. Um, and um, I think, you know, like, you make choices. And then things start to, like, pile up in life, you know, whether it's family or other work or like the pressures of actually being a studio artist who's working towards shows and things like that and um I mean for me what was really the boundaries recently that I've set for myself and maybe not just boundaries but just kind of like a way of thinking and reminding myself and I sent this to you earlier Imani was more um um just I think asking the question about what's meaningful, you know, where's my time really going to go? Do I really want to do that? I know I want to be in the studio, maybe, but like, is it more meaningful right now for me to like, you know, really clean the house, create a space where I'm happy in like the day to day of things and I'm present with my children and um, just sort of, it's not really compartmentalizing, but it's just sort of, presence and meaning and letting other things go as much as I can. If they're, if they don't, if they're not meaningful at that moment for me, it doesn't mean they won't be tomorrow or in the future, you know, but like at this moment, this is what I'm focusing on, you know? And so that's been really helpful to me as in terms of creating those boundaries. And I feel like being an artist, it's like being riding a bike. Like it's not something you forget or you stopped stop doing you know and when I had my children I sort of made a commitment to myself I'm like I'm not I'm going to attempt to not beat myself up about not making schedules and scheduling and studio time and managing those things I'm like I am a mother these moments are so fleeting with my children like if I live past them being raised then I have I'll, I'll have that time later maybe you know so I don't, I don't know if that answers the question at all, but sort of just 
it's like a catalog. You take that catalog and then you're sort of like, okay, these three things, not these 10 things Mm -hmm. right now, right now, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's just the Libra in me, but I definitely resonated with that word balancing. You know, I'm, I'm also, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not good at boundaries working on it in therapy or just like, (laughs) okay, how do I, how do I set my boundaries? How do I respect them myself? Mm -hmm. You know, because sometimes we're, you know, we're the people who violate our own boundaries sometimes, you know? Um, so this for me, yeah, just kind of, I really been going with the gut. You know, my grandma always used to say, just like, trust your gut. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you're like, what are you talking about? And, and, you know, like, I'm not sure, but now just trying to figure out like, you know, what, what feels good at at a certain moment. You know, there are some days where, and like trying not to force things, especially like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think especially after last year, last summer, um, you know, I was supposed to do, supposed to do a show and it just, it didn't make any sense to, to me, it it didn't feel right to be, to, to do that at the time. And then even going to the studio just to make work, um, for myself, even I wasn't going to show it, you know, I knew I was prepping for school and, you know, did want to be in there making, but it just didn't feel right. So I was just like, all right, you know what, I, you know, I feel like I need to be doing these X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to like take care of other people or or whatever right now. So let go of the guilt of not making work and, and follow what, what feels good. Cause it, you know, I, I started to really think about how artwork wants to come into being, um, you know, and I feel like when it's just for a deadline or under pressure, or you feel like you're doing it more out of a sense of guilt, um, I, I, I always feel like the work is not not as interesting and it's not as fulfilling to me personally. And if it's, I, and I honestly feel that like if it's not filling to me personally, it's not really going to do what I want it to do in the world, and it's not going to be the best that I, I think I can make. So it's like, why push that? You know. Um, mm-hmm you know, put the, whatever time, you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. So like just trying to, I think, kind of follow your instincts, what feels good. I mean, this is all said under the guise that I'm like an obsessive planner. I have like three <laughs> notebooks, like my to-do notebook, like my art notebook, and then just like, you know, like a miscellaneous catch-all. So I can definitely be a little obsessed about trying to block those things out. But um really day-to-day like figuring out you know you're, there's a lot of embodied knowledge you know our bodies sometimes know what we should be doing even when our brains yes go. um so i think like you said sometimes sometimes like cleaning the house so like oh. the next morning and feel like <laughs> ready to go is way more productive studio time than absolutely going to the and then just feeling like oh, i'm not in i don't want to go home i got then i gotta do the dish and then like i don't mm-hmm. do anything you know mm-hmm. i make a couple of drawings i'm like yeah i don't like this you know it's just like a waste Right. So. Let me enjoy doing these. Di- like, I like seeing them get clean and being in their place. <laughs> you know, like they, there's joy in that. Those little things. They don't always have to be a burden. Yeah. But kudos to you yeah. being a planner and really like <laughs> sort of being able to let go a little bit. That's great. Yeah. I, I was a chess player as a kid and it's just like my brain doesn't want to let go of that kind of like, I guess, way of thinking. You, it's not always the best, but right. what I got. <laughs> You literally play chess and not checkers. That's kind of wild. Don't think I knew that that was a thing that happens in real life. But I can completely relate to the like thinking about how something wants to come into the world because last year, too, like I still thankfully had deadlines and responsibilities. But it's like I can't sit down and concentrate and write for three hours the way I used to or like just bang something out and I feel like half of the articles I published last year, I like woke up in the middle of the night and wrote, hand wrote like three pages that ended up being the intro. And that never happens. I'm like very strict about something digitally versus, you know, tangible. So I think that is definitely a huge step in just like changing your practice so that it's your practice and it's not some other big untouchable thing that feels that feels really real. Mm I think that's really important, Imani, like that idea of fluidity and change and being kind of like malleable to your own processes. Cause we like, we get into a, like a system, like there's this way that we do things and the way that we think that maybe we're innately born with, or we've trained ourselves or we've seen as successful examples from others or whatever. And then just sort of like, I think that last, last year, it, I mean, it really did just force us in a way to just slow the app down and just like pause, like where, what, who, why, you know, and just being able to really 
sort of like change certain systems that we've placed and boundaries that we place for ourselves to kind of make it like to find a little bit of more like joy or something within the structure of like whatever the world had thrown at us last year, you know, I don't know. I think it's really important to just sometimes like get to go with that gut or mm-hmm. that flow and just like well, and listen, especially last year, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, especially as a, a very, still very much a Detroit newbie, um, but someone who, you know, the city has become, very important, um, very important to me. And one of the things mm-hmm. I really liked about the art scene is, is how much it, um, you know, all of the artists that I've met in Detroit are also, you know, like very active politically. Um, and there was like such a large overlap. And they're like last, it's like last summer, I was like, okay, I don't feel like being in the studio and doing work. I was like, I want to, you know, like, I want to get some like PPE down to people protesting and figure and like, you know, see if we can raise money for like, you know, Detroit Justice Center and like do these other things. And a lot of the other people, a lot of the people that ended up working on things like that were other artists, you know, so there was this, so like, even though we weren't in the studio, you know, it became, and that's kind of like that lesson that I, that I sent you as the, for the little prompt was like starting to really kind of allow myself to accept all these other things as kind of part of the, part of the practice. Okay. So we're not in the studio, but you know, all of these other things that we're doing and, you know, supporting, supporting our, our shared community and also like meeting people through and in that way. And it's just like, okay, we can, we can talk about art shows like, you know, next year, but you, but you really form those bonds that are really important. You know, um, a lot of the, a lot of the mentors I even had kind of in New York growing up, like it was about that, that bond first. You know, and then I started to learn a lot of lot of things about art and like what kind of practice I wanted to have through them. But it, it started with that like actual like kind of human point of recognition of like another person. And I think mm-hmm. you know Detroit was really is really special um, in that in that sense. And and it helped me kind of like okay, this is all part of it. You know, this is all part of the practice and feeds back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did want to bring that up in both of you all's understanding why is Detroit a great place to make art or Mm -hmm. maybe why sometimes Detroit is a challenging place to make art? Hmm. Oh, I mean, I think it, I think, I mean, there's, I think there's, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, I think um, kind of like everything that I just said, like, I I found the community here to be ultra supportive and not that was, not that it wasn't in New York, um, but just, just to a different level. I mean, like, so I had an opening on Friday, like literal monsoon. And I saw it and, like, I had some friend and, like, kind of had like a brightish windbreaker on. So I'm coming up the street, you know, he had, had his <laughs> forearm over and like, and they're like, oh, it's a little wet out there, but I made it, you know? And, and it's, I think it's that kind of, I was like a little wet out there. I was just like, okay, but you know, I think it's that kind of, um, you know, just kind of commitment to each other um that I felt is really special and it made it easier to kind of detach sometimes like let's say market success success or value of the work like am, am I getting the shit like is my work in the in the right spaces is it being changed is the right people seeing it and it was able to and it became more focused on like oh like are, are my friends coming in and they're like they're supporting it and we're having conversations about it and like that being that feeling really good and that just feeling and that became, I think, more the it was it allowed me to, to, for that to be more of the focus. And the validation came more from your community that, you know, you were building and building with as opposed to maybe someone I didn't know, like writing something about it or buying something like it became much more um invested in the people who I was personally invested in and who were also personally investing in me. And that made it it just made it really easy to get to the studio. It made it pleasurable. Um, it, you know, just kind of gave, gave me energy to like make new work and take risks. And um, yeah, I would say that's part of the, probably the biggest thing. Also space. I started making sculpture when I moved here, I was making just like drawings and collages and mainly 2d work, like in my little table in my, in my bedroom. Um, and now I only make sculpture, which comes with its own awesome. problems, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I agree. Um, I feel like when I finished, uh, undergrad in 2004, so the kind of Detroit art scene outside of Detroit wasn't visible to the outside world yet. So, um, there was something really amazing about 
just almost having no idea that an art market actually is, exists, you know. And by like 2008, most of like the two or three commercial galleries that were anywhere near the city had closed because, you know. Um, so I don't know. I thought it, it was just people just, you know, working out of crazy spaces. And it was just about like the people in your art. You, you kind of knew everybody. You knew everybody that was making art or working out of their garage or, and there was these amazing spaces and different parts of the city where you just like, you walk in and you're like, hey, wait, what? This is a Ukrainian hall that has a bunch of artists living in it with the sand floor. And then there's a theater up there and there's a rave. And like, it was just this like beautiful, like human and raw and just the energy was amazing and everybody kind of seemed to just really get along all the time it doesn't matter where you know if you came from the suburbs or what you know it's just like there was this like feeling of like we're all in it together because nobody else cares mm. like no one from the outside there's no outside gaze like looking in at you you know and like you were saying like writing about it. There was like, there's no commercial market. Any of the wealth from the suburbs was buying elsewhere, you know, in New York or Europe or whatever. Um, so it was really nice to kind of like develop as an artist surrounded by people that were really pretty much doing it because they, it was their soul. They had to, this was their, like, they just did it, you know? And, um, and they found really amazing ways to do it, you know, and whatever our jobs and, I don't know. There's just always something happening. And the same with performance. Like I never even knew what performance art was. Like, I was like, what, you know, it started with me and my partner um, and friend Bridget, just sort of like acting out, dressing up in people's backyards or at like fourth street fair back in the day or daily, you know, they're just random happenings that were going on. And then I don't know, all of a sudden we're like rolling on the floor and we're doing something weird. And then at some point somebody invited us to do something at their like uh, grand opening. And it was like, oh, let's think about this. Let's create a little bit of a narrative to our madness and do that. And that's how like the performance practice was sort of born out of that. And it was just, and it can, you know, and it was great. Do it a couple times a year, and that was it. There's no documentation. There's no like <laughs> <laughs> write that artist statement for it, you know. Until we got the Kresge, we were like, oh wait, <laughs> we got to do that stuff. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I do <laughs> want to touch on one thing that you just brought up, and it's like a, a sense of surprise. I think mm -hmm. that's something that I really that really yep. stuck with me. I remember even like the the first time I visited, you know, a friend took us. Like to a couple parties, went to a couple openings and stuff. And it just, it was the, because I, it was, it felt like from the outside, you didn't really necessarily know what was going on inside mm -hmm. a building. And then you'd go in and you'd see, you know, like, the, yeah, it'd be amazing art. And then like a, a light video installation. And it was like, oh, DJ's coming on at 10. And there's like mm -hmm. another thing going on. And like, especially just because like the architecture of the spaces, you know, they unfold in a different way than, um, Mm. than in, in denser places but then also i mean like there's not only the surprise of like what you might encounter but then like yeah like you said like everyone's like works a million different jobs and is in different places and they're like oh yeah i'm also doing this thing over here mm -hmm. or like swing by you know I, i'm where i'm you know bartending that day and then like swing by come through yeah so there's always all of these not only um really surprising things to kind of just see and experience mm -hmm. but then also all the connections when you start realizing like everyone knows one another and like you know I think all of that was kind of really just really exciting to me in a way that I I hadn't experienced before even like I traveled a bunch and you know right. gone to all these other cities it was you know I was joking around like you know don't don't tell my parents but uh, <laughs> but I was like oh I'm gonna go home to do this show and I was just like did I just refer to Detroit as home I think that's really amazing and like another thing I just thought of is just is sort of like the history and the memories that live in those spaces and you don't and like I my family immigrated here from Eastern Europe so I wasn't really brought up with like a full the full picture of like what the city is and the role it really plays as like a microcosm for the rest of the world you know what I mean so and I think I really started to realize it when we had artist residents staying with us from Europe, Germany, Berlin, Australia you know and they're coming and then you realize like wow something's really unique here because these like artists from all over the world are coming here and they're just like 
wait, what? That just happened? Or we're just walking down the street and we saw that, you know? And it was just like, yeah. And you just kind of take it for granted. Like, this is just what, you know, our home is. That's what this place is. And you see it all the time and you just forget that it's special. Mm -hmm. And it's not like that everywhere. And people aren't like this everywhere. Yeah. I, I just love hearing like the positive that you both have experienced here at home. And I think that's very true of my own experience here. Like I went to school at Northwestern, tried to (laughs) work a normal job and do publishing. (laughs) And I woke up one day and I was just like, oh God, I got to go home. Like it was just, it was a gut, honestly. It was in the pit Mm -hmm. of my stomach. Like, girl, these people do not know you. They don't care about you that much. Mm -mm. You need to go home. Mm -hmm. And um, I wouldn't say it was the easiest transition ever, but after one more bad job and then finally breaking through, I like have a community and got way more support here than I ever have before. And I kind of referred to Detroit as my headquarters. Like no matter what happens after this, mm-hmm. a lot of the meaningful work that I've done in my life has happened here. And I did it very intentionally, but I do know that there is a other part of the story. And there are some people who maybe don't feel as accepted or as successful here and I think it kind of merges with what we're talking about where it's the surprise you know like if you're surprised about something maybe you don't invest in it or maybe you expect it to just stay in that place that you left it and not go further Um, and I've seen a lot of people leave the city over the past year like when they had the opportunity to be remote they've gone like okay I can finally do this thing so I do feel like we're just in a very vulnerable shape-shifting time but I love mm. that Detroit is able to hold all that together. I don't really have a question, but I did <laughs> want to raise that energy into the room because I, I feel like there are people that, um, you know, they've had their fill of the city yeah. and I actually can't fault them if they don't feel like it's what they need right now. No, I mean, and I've, I've been privileged. I've had the opportunity to, you know, I mean, I worked my ass off all the time, Um and I feel like I've been kind and I don't know, it's like karma too, in a way, like thing you give, things come back to you. And it's um, like I married, my husband is super handy and can build things. So when we did buy our build, like I, that's not, not everybody can do that. Yeah. Like, congratulations. You know, <laughs> I mean, my sister always went for the cute ones. I'm like, can you build a house? <laughs> no, no. What can you do with your hands? <laughs> what can you do with your hands? No, but I mean, it's just, I recognize that like when, especially when people are like, Oh, you know, I don't know if you guys have been to pops packing, but like, it's just like, you know, it's a little raw, but it's, you know, fun older buildings and whatever. But it's, you know, they're like, oh, I wanted to buy this building and do this thing. And I was just like, well, you know, good luck. Uh, It's great that it's cheap, but, you know, A, B, and C is going to have to happen. Like, we've been lucky because we could do it on our own. And, like, honestly, we were both, like, bartending and waiting tables the whole time to, like, finance it Mm -hmm. and still making work sometimes when we could but it turned out like the space became our art that's like that became our giant sculpture and installation and whatnot and it just involves a lot of other people and different community and like we could not have done that in any other city Mm -hmm. nor would I have wanted to but there's just there's no way so I feel like you know we were lucky to be here at a specific time and um that we've had amazing support from our neighbors and friends and other handy people and with the materiality of the city itself it's just like if you seek you will find you need some of that you need some of this there's you know places where you can grab that or borrow or whatever share and I don't know it's I don't know why I went on that tangent no that makes a lot of sense that definitely relates to what I'm talking about (laughs) yeah but there's and it's hard for people because you see it happening from the especially I think in the last 10 years or since like 2012 13 14 like people come here with these ideas of like oh I can buy this $500 house or I can do this thing and I can start my own gallery and I can do that and it's like yeah you could like the why Mm -hmm. how does that really fit in you know, what's your purpose? What's the meaning behind that for you? You know, and ultimately, you know, and some, unfortunately, sometimes it's financial, you know, people are like, I can flip it. I can, you know, I don't know. 
but yeah. you know, and I think the city can, it can be hard. And I think, and sometimes it also recognizes like intention. And if it doesn't feel right with you, like I think for, I have people that are from here and like, they are New York people. Like they were born and raised and grew up here, but their pace and their energy, it's like, no, you, you belong in New York. That's, that's your place. That's where you, like, I could see why you wanted to move there. It mm-hmm. makes sense for you. And I think we have to just all figure that out within ourselves somehow, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes it's also, you know, we're all constantly changing and evolving, you know, and sometimes Absolutely. we we need different things at different times. We are able to bring different things to the table at different times. You know, um, I think I know that for me, one of the reasons that Detroit resonated so strong with me when I moved there was, I mean, all, all like all the things I've mentioned before, but also like just where I was in my life, where I'd already been, um, mm-hmm. what I wanted and needed and also like what I, what, what I could bring, you know, I think, so like the, the schools that I went to from, I went to the same school, like kindergarten through 12th grade. And then um, went to like a smaller large school outside of Philly. And I was just always like one or two black ki- uh, like black children in the room, mm-hmm. you know, for the longest time. And I remember like specifically, I've told, told this story a million times, like, like going to Home Depot, um, like by my studio over in Highland Park. And it's like, everyone in there was black. Everyone. Yeah. No, I, I didn't get looked at. No one turned <laughs> their head. No one could give a crap that I did that, that I was in there. And it was like, I was went and got my little bolts and my hardware and stuff. And like, you know, and, and then there was something. And obviously, because I'm also like, can be a little bit scatterbrained, even with all the to-do books. I was in there like every other day. They were just like, again, you like, you were just here. I was like, I know I forgot the thing that I needed, you know, um, and just like became friendly with some of the people that worked there. And it was just, I think for me, like um, not feeling, you know, just, just seeing faces that being in a majority black city, seeing faces that looked like mine, not feeling like I was always, you know, even if people weren't looking at me, you know, there's that Du Boisian double consciousness. Like, even if it's just in your head, it's still very real. Yeah. Even if I'm just hyper aware of the right. fact that I'm the only black person in the room, even if no one else gives a shit or no one else is treating me. Oh, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. Oh, <laughs> you can if, do whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you that other feeling, else. the other, yeah. still feeling like you're an other. Like, it's like, I'm, yeah. Exactly. And I think, and, and I think for me at that time in my life i mean like it was you know it just struck the chord of just like just what i needed Mm -hmm. and also i think in terms of what i was able to bring to the table like i love working with my hands i love building stuff i got a little pickup truck you need help moving some stuff you know i'm you know i'll meet you outside you know let's (laughs) throw it in the bed of the truck let's do it um so i think some of that diy culture that exists in detroit i felt like okay, not only was Detroit able to give me something that I really needed at the time, I was also, I felt like I was also able to kind of give back to, you know, and the people that met, it's like, yeah, you need help in selling a show, let's do it, framing something, like whatever it was. And so that that feeling reciprocity, you know, mm. um, was just kind of right off the bat. And so, and so it it really clicked for where, where I was and mm. in, in my time of life. You I know? love and, that. And, That's important, yeah. You know. Yeah, and I can completely relate because I feel like, Detroit is my context. Like, it's okay to be elsewhere, but every time I'm elsewhere, I have to explain why (laughs) I'm from Detroit or (laughs) who I am or what I'm trying to do. And I think that's what I was trying to come back to was just, like, people who already know me. Like, I just looked around. I'm like, nobody around me has my mom's phone number. That makes me feel unsafe. <laughs> I need to go home. Like, there's something to that. Yeah. Really, that's real. Yeah, like what if there's an emergency? Really, at any like any level of my life, what if there's an emergency? Who can call my mom right now? None of y'all? Okay, no. gotta go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love Detroit, and I feel like it's given me kind of the bullet list of what I need to look for in other cities like if I am trying to take my art elsewhere and I still want to be in a majority black city that narrows down the options for real or if I know I need to have a beauty supply and a grocery store Mm. where am I going to be able to go so Mm -hmm. I completely feel that and I think I'm also kind of just um curious Scott like you living in Chicago right now and going to school but still keeping that Detroit studio feels like a big statement does that feel like a statement to you or how how do you think about it and how do you spend time in both places I don't I mean like I guess I don't necessarily think of it as a 
statement so much it was more like uh it was partially just purely logistical like all right i have you know especially like working with sculpture like all right i have something either gonna like stick it in storage somewhere um which feels weird um or you know so i i split it now with a with a buddy of mine who was like one of the now i mean uh my friend robert davis kind of like one of my closest friends you know just regardless like just like overall and i met him early on when i when i moved like when i first moved to detroit so i mean it's nice to like have a have a space with a friend and i, I don't know just something like i didn't want to give up that little finger hold you know so it's like if like if i really wanted to come back i can go to the studio and i can crash on the couch for a night and just sit there and soak it in and go back you know if i need to and it for, for me it just also kind of felt um I don't want to say promise or investment, but it just it it didn't feel right to give up my apartment and my studio. Like mm. you know, I'm I'm not sure like necessarily what the future brings, but giving up the studio just didn't feel right. And it felt and like Detroit very much felt like a place that like you know I, I said like I didn't move to Chicago, I just expanded for a little bit. You know that's Ooh. that's that's how I've been been talking about it because it didn't you know there's still so much that i feel like i want to give and experience with the community there and so yeah i don't know i don't know about statement but just you know i mean i guess maybe returning to that idea of like does, does it feel what feels right in the gut it didn't feel right to to do that it didn't feel right to just like okay i'm just i'm off to chicago now um and like i try and go back you know as much as I can, you know, I mean, obviously I'm in school, so it's not as frequently, but like, like I was telling you, Imani just, just got back in on the, from the Amtrak, uh, this morning, you know, um, was there for like the last week. Um, probably going back in a couple of weeks, just, mm-hmm. you know, came, I was like, oh, I'm going to install the show. I'm going to see all of my friends I'm going to do all the things. And of course we all know how that sometimes best laid plans. So it's like, okay, well, I got to come back and that way I can really spend some time and continue catching up with people. But you know, it really is. It is. It is the home base. Mm-hmm. It is the home base. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I'm the same way because I still have a lot of Chicago connections. My sorority sisters there. My college is there, so I just drive now <laughs> instead of Amtrak because, like, I'm, I know I'm gonna shop. I know I'm gonna do this. I know I'm gonna spend another night. Like, <laughs> let me take my time. So I love the idea of expansion because I really think that's like the buzzword. Like, that's where we have to be right now to fit everything in that we want. Mm-hmm. to do um and i just wanted to turn the question towards Faina because i'm i have a lot of artistic friends that are also mm-hmm. parents and mm-hmm. i very rarely see residencies or opportunities that allow you to freaking be a parent or like have a mm-hmm. child or a partner with you so mm-hmm. i love that you you know you you kind of started off where you're like no matter what i'm going to still allow myself to be a mm-hmm. mother and an artist. And I wonder if you could just talk to me a little bit more specifically about maybe what that looks like day to day and also how you've been able to think about it. Because I don't think that idea is always affirmed. I think a lot of times right. we have to choose. Yeah. Oh, man. I think because of the way that we've structured our life, um, we we're lucky to have a certain amount of freedom. We work from home. We run our organization from the home. So everything is like very fluid and organic, you know? And, um, I, I just, I feel like I was just confident that like art was always going to be a part of it. And we were also starting our residency program at the same exact time as I had my first child Mm. in 2000 well we started the residency in 2009 and then we had two kids by 2013 so we were like kind of building this program but honestly um and I was making a lot of work for the through the first child and then my practice turned to performance predominantly because it was way easier to 
to it was like this weird opportunity presented itself at the right time like sometimes you don't even feel like you have control over it or you mm -hmm. don't even know it's just like you're just paying attention and you're like oh gut this <laughs> this <laughs> feels you're like oh i there's a performance opportunity like i've never seen myself as a performer or i don't like what what you know but let's let's try that and it really worked with having children because like my partner lives across the street so I could just like go there and she had like a little studio in her back room so we would like build costumes there and then we'd like explore and experience the backyard was our studio kind of so then we're like rolling around and practicing our shenanigans and whatever sort of like routes and paths for the performance um there and then late at night after they're in bed like with some wine on the porch we're like uh you know trying to kind of work out the kinks of like why do we want to do that? Or what's that? Or we should adjust this costume for this. So I kind of just, I feel like I was even open to my practice changing, mm. like not defining as like, I am just a painter. And I like similar, like what Scott was talking about, like, oh, he had a space for sculpture. Now he builds, makes sculpture. And it's like, it's sometimes it's spatial. And I know that the way I was, my practice before like after undergrad I mean it would literally be like chain smoking and like whiskey in the studio for many many hours not eating not really sleeping you're just in that zone and you just keep going 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 until like you can't you know and that was like my the that was my how I worked for a really long time so I just kind of stopped that <laughs> you know <laughs> then I, there was this like little studio just sitting there waiting in the first floor and I don't know. I think it was important for me to like expand my practice to make it something else, you know, like, and I, I made it so like it didn't really in interfere with mothering or if it did, like I wouldn't have done it. Like it kind of flowed into it. Um, and then even with the residency, cause that's happening downstairs below where we live. Um, the artists that were coming in were really sort of like welcoming to that. It wasn't, it's a, they're coming into a community. They're not coming into like a Vermont studio retreat situation. You know, it's like, you're coming into this community into our family. We have all these studios and shop and all these things for you, but you're still part of this thing. And I think that was really important. And then we started, um, we developed a residency just for parent artists too. So then we were like, had other artists and parents, making work around us and our kids are playing and we'd hire a babysitter for them, you know, if they needed to be in the studio. And it was, I think it's getting, I think it's more common. And I think that there's some wonderful organizations that are supporting parent artists. There's the sustainable arts foundation. And I think more foundations are kind of like getting clued into it, that, that it's, it's important. And it's not, we don't have to really choose between this or that anymore. It's just like, there's, there's a way where it could be both, you know? Um, but yeah, it's hard. You're hard on yourself. It sucks a lot. Um, you resent everything. I, I didn't, I didn't have kids and have this frame of mind that you see before you. <laughs> there was a lot of like, just mad at my husband because he gets to just do his thing and like work on buildings and have shows and I'm just like I couldn't let go of that responsibility of my family like you know and mm -hmm. it took it took a lot of it's just like a lot of soul searching and just like time and just you know forgiving yourself and because there's there's a lot of guilt all the mother artists parent artists I know like there's a lot of guilt that goes with it you know and it's real and you just kind of like it's a phase. It's like one piece of the puzzle and we get through it, you know, and then you slowly become your whole person again. And um, I also think that time away is really helpful when they're old enough. Mm. Like four years ago, I started going down to the Oaxaca coast for two weeks with a friend. And it's just like, bye-bye husband, bye-bye pops, <laughs> bye-bye children. This is my time. And I swear it blew my, it blew my mind. Like, I'm like, Oh, I have my own thoughts. Like I'm not thinking about who needs to be fed when, where, what, or, you know, you're just, cause you just realize like, Oh, your thoughts aren't your own when you're a parent anymore. Like sometimes you're just, you're lost in just the shuffle of just keeping them alive and fed and not falling off a belt. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not stop. So like a, a little retreat escape, give yourself, you know, you need a, 
I feel like we need to, you need to step away and find your person again. Like who, who am I? How do I think now? Like, how do I stare at the ocean now? Like does what's, I don't know. What does that sound do to me? And like, which I think we get from studio practice a lot, but I think there's a lot of moments just in life when we're out in the world where we can find those two. And I think, you know, maybe as a parent artist, you have to become a little more creative about like where those moments of inspiration and calm and sort of connection to like the world or whatever brings you your, like whatever feeds you, you know, comes from, you know. Yeah. I'm happy that you've been able to find a flow with that. I think, a lot of people will relate, especially if maybe they're in the beginning phases or like just uh-huh. the guilt phase of something. It's it's hard. It's 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 hard, but it's I don't know. It's all amazing. There. Yeah, I mean, it's I not, can't. It's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, marriage isn't for everybody. Having children isn't for you know. I knew it was for me. So yeah. like this, I chose this. You know. I obviously can't speak to like you know the, the emotions around you know, like having a child and being an artist, but I think just like the overall, like the idea of guilt, I mean, I think is something mm-hmm. I've been trying to like work through and, and get rid of, you know, especially, you know, all Bye-bye. of us, you know, well, just I think just being yes. socialized in a like capitalist economy, it's mm-hmm. really like, you know, so many, and I think especially as like makers, you know, so much of our like personal value and identity mm-hmm. is wrapped up in, you know, and like the production of objects. And then it's like trying to let go of some of that guilt. I mean, it, it's hard because you're basically trying to rewire your brain from how many decades of this being reinforced mm-hmm. through all various modes of messaging. Mm-hmm. But then like, that kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, like today, let's go play with the kids today. I, I, I would yeah. imagine, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, no. I don't need to feel guilty about not making a painting today. You no, know? <laughs> no. And I think it comes down to purpose. Like, oh, mm. is like, like my per- like my way or purpose as an artist is different than yours, right? So it's like, you know, like for some, I know like some people, it's just like getting into academia is really important. There, there's certain levels, you know, it's just, it's a different path. Like they do want to get into, like getting into that art market is important. Making a living as an artist, it's like, that's where they're putting their energy and that's important and that's like valid and it's awesome, you know, but I think, like that wasn't, that was never me. I knew I was never gonna go that route, you know, like, so we had to make our own job. I love that <laughs> idea. I love that idea of purpose, purpose for your artistic practice. It's a purpose. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, is my purpose to do this? And I've spoken in some like professional practice panels for like um, graduating you know, art students. And I'm always like the black sheep in the room, you know, who's just <laughs> saying like, fuck grad school, just like go to Europe, go to wherever, just, you know, travel, see something, visit places where there are a lot of artists, like learn that way for a little bit until you kind of figure out like, is that what I want? Do I want to try to push myself into this art market and that world in the gallery? Cause I feel like they are sometimes two opposing forces. Like, who we are as artists, like the thing that made us create and make initially that put us on that path, you know? And then, and then there's like the, Oh, I'm going to do that so that I can also make a living and have shows and be seen and, you know, yeah. And, or, and I want to be a teacher. I want to be an educator. So I'm going to do that too. And I need an education, you know, like those are just, they're different things. And, it's just, I think it comes down to purpose and like your idea, like what's your idea of success, you know? And I think people get into trouble when the two are combined and it's like, no, sometimes we have to recognize they're kind of two different things, you know, and we have to choose like, it's this or maybe that. And that can change later, but at certain moments in our life, we, I think we have to choose that path for dive in there get in there and be like, oh no, that's not for me now. I'm going to go this other way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I didn't, so I'm, I'm, I'm obviously like, I mean, shoot, I'm older than some of my professors, you know, I, mm-hmm. I took about 15 years in between undergrad and, and, and grad That's school. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel really happy that I, you know, like, and also I, I worked in the art world the whole time. So I got mm-hmm. to see, you know, a, a myriad of different approaches. I think if I had gone from straight, you know, and especially from undergrad, like you kind of think there's like, oh, there's like, you try to be an artist where you just, you make work yep. all the time and you show and yep. make money and that's it. Right. You know, yep. and like, 
And then you get out into the world. It's like, oh, there's like a million different ways to skin the cat. I, I have my cat sitting <laughs> on my lap right now. So I, she's giving me a weird look. Um, just to turn a phrase, uh, you know, and but I think seeing how many different options and different ways to kind of create your creative life, you know, mm-hmm. it did, it became really evident to me that like making that choice in terms of like, yeah, what are the yeah. things that are important to me? What mm-hmm. do I want to, you know, really try and craft, you mm-hmm. know, what kind of life do I really want to try and craft with it? And now, you know, felt, and I got to the point where I felt like, okay, now I'm grad school is right for me right now. Right. You know, exactly. After I mean, having had all that. I didn't go to undergrad till I was 25. Like I kind of high school to like a lot of floating, moving around, <laughs> figuring it out. And I'm so glad because like I had to pay out of pocket. I didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. My friends are going off to university and I'm just like, I'm like, I spent all that money and I don't know what the fuck I want to do yet. <laughs> yeah. So like just lots of community colleges and then, yeah. And I, I still might go to grad school one day, maybe, you know? Yeah. I love the openness of it all. I didn't know that you both had that in common. I was very, mm-hmm. my mom is a college counselor, so. Yeah, she was like, you're going. <laughs> we, everything was already set up, and I loved yeah, it. Yeah. I, I thrived yeah. in that place, but even now where I'm thinking about getting an MFA, I'm like, do I want it? Do I feel like I'm right. supposed to have it? I haven't had white men dissecting my work in a long time, and that's <laughs> like what grad school sounds like oh, to me. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know what it would take, but I love the idea of like things can change or mm-hmm. spaces can open up. And I really do want to um, guide us toward the work examples that you both sent because I think oh. now's a good time to just talk about just shifts, mind shifts, and things that happen. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, I feel like it'd be cool to talk about. Um, and I'm curious about what brought you to Detroit in the first place. Yeah. Um, so in my partner was going to, she's an architect and wanted to go back to grad school. Um, so she started looking at a bunch of different grad schools and I had been in New York pretty much my whole life other than undergrad. Um, and at the time I was also starting like a fine arts shipping company with a friend of mine. So I could kind of, so I was, I was down to move out of New York and I was just like, pretty much anywhere you want to go. Like I'm down to, you know, she's looking all of the, most of the school she was looking at was in major cities. So I was like, I'm down to go wherever. Except Boston. I did not know, you know, no, <laughs> no shade to anyone who might be listening from Boston, but I was just like, I'll, no. I'll visit if you go on, you know, if you get into, if you decide to go there. Um, but no, you know, she got into, she ended up going to Cranbrook um, just cause she's also, you know, trained as an architect, but also very much interested, was very much interested in the kind of intersection of, of art, design, architecture, um, and just kind of aligned with the like one-to-one making pedagogy of, Arch- of, of Cranbrook. So when we visited, um, you know, I was going to be moving there regardless, but I was like, this is dope. This place is dope. And then, so I moved in the beginning of 2016 and um, I had met Matt Eaton while he was working for a shipping company. This was years ago. Like he was working for a shipping company in New York and the gallery that I worked at, we used to hire uh, that shipping company all the time. So then me and him just like, I think turned out like we knew a couple artists in, in uh, person. So every time we'd come by the gallery, you know, we just end up, you know, just, just, just chatting for a little while and get to know one another. And then when, um, decided to like move when I realized that we we're going to be moving to Detroit, you know, kind of like reached back out to him. We kind of caught back up. Um, and I was able to do the residency at Red Bull in 2016. And then from there, you know, just, just stayed, you know, mm-hmm. it was, um, that year I was able to the rest. So I did the residency, um, in 20 in like the kind of winter spring of 2016, and then for the rest of the year, I was just like running my shipping company. And then in 2017, um, did the Ford Curatorial Fellowship in MoCAD. So just kind of, you know, started meeting people in the, in the city and just making work and, you know, just trying to kind of become, become part of the community here. Um, and the reason I sent you that piece as like a, as a formative one was like, like I was mentioned, you know, I was always making drawings and collage. Um when I was, when I was in New York and a close friend of mine or a friend of mine who's, he's a professor at Syracuse, an amazing artist, but he'd invited me to curate the MFA show there one year. And so I'd, I'd give a presentation on some of my work and he was familiar with a lot of my drawings. 
And then once you saw the sculpture, he was like, oh, now your drawings just look like there were just plans for sculpture. Mm-hmm. Now when I see them mm-hmm. next to each other and I think and it, I think, you know, I immediately just started making this large, these large sculptures. And that was like the first kind of I'd made like maybe one smaller one. But that wedge one was like the kind of something I'd had in my head and an idea I'd had in my head and finally had the kind of like space to make it. And I just, and like, I've always loved building my dad, me and my dad are both very sentimental and he has like a little shave, like all of our, like, you know, childhood art. And he has like a little silhouette thing I did in kindergarten. It was like a little silhouette and had the lines. You had to like write something about yourself. And it just says, mine just said, I love to build. And he still has that to this day. But yeah, yeah, we, the Campbell's are extremely sentimental, extremely cheesy. That's how we do it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it was just something that it felt, it was just something I'd like wanted to do, had felt in me that I was able to like fully realize and then continue to do that. And like, and it was also, it really pushed my practice too, you know? So it allowed me to kind of, you know, I felt really good about myself. You know, I felt, I was like, oh, I'm like actually growing my artistic practice. It's evolving. I'm really liking the way it's going. So it was a combination of, not only like I, that piece for me holds, it's really pivotal just in terms of the way I think I saw myself as a maker where I was in my life in terms of like, kind of like turning a new leaf, even kind of the things that I wanted to do. And um, yeah, so it really kind of houses all of that. And it's weird that it takes a shape of like, you know, kind of like a corner of a house sticking out of the wall. But Yeah. And can you describe the sculpture for people who can't see it right now? Oh, yeah. So I guess the the best way to describe it is um, it looks like the kind it's kind of it's it's very much informed by kind of like vernacular architectural materials. So it takes the form of a wedge, a kind of triangular wedge. It looks like the corner of a house that is sticking, kind of coming straight out of the wall, all matte black. So it has like a kind of matte black storm window on one side, on the other side, you know, wood lath and plaster, which you see in like a lot of the houses in Detroit, a lot of the walls um, use that kind of building and um, Mm -hmm. building structure. And then I use a lot of this rubber cord in my work. Um, So there's like rubber cord, um, a mass of this like quarter inch round rubber cords and pouring out of the storm window on one side and out of like a little air vent on the other side where the wall is that has a, where the wall like the wood lath and plaster is. And then on the inside, it's painted all like bright, glossy red. And there's some lighting elements in there as well. So when you see it in the gallery, it's kind of glowing, this like bright red glowing mm. behind this like um, matte black exterior. Yeah, it looks cool as hell. That's that's how I would describe it. <laughs> how big is it? How big? It looks um, big. It is. It's, it's a, about, it's good... yeah, it's about, it's tall. It's about 92 inches, like floor to kind of the top of the sculpture. Mm-hmm. And then it's... Um, I'm not having the measurements around it somewhere, but it's probably That's about, okay. I get, yeah, it's about like yeah. four feet wide and comes off gotcha. the wall almost three feet. So, so it's, it's, hefty. it's, and it's cause you see the shadow behind that has like the glow. That's what you were talking about. So there, is there yeah. some space between the back of it and the wall? Yeah. So right? it's, it's it, like floating kind of. Yeah. It comes off, off the, the wall, wall about like 30 some odd inches, gotcha. you know, so you can definitely like go under and just like stand See-through. right in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes. That's beautiful. And, I like it. Um, Faina, you sent this painting <laughs> and I don't want to assume what's in it. So can you tell me you what, what we're looking <laughs> what at and when you made it? <laughs> um, well, when did I make? I made this in spring of 2020. Um, and I have gone through a very many uh, phases in my painting. Like if you look at like the kind of more explosive, small little sort of shapes and explosions, like that's more typical of my style, but maybe really kind of obsessive, compulsive and concentrated usually. Um, I feel like this one, I kind of figured out how to give it some, I don't know, there was like the space and the glow and it was many different paintings before it was that and was inspired by a small collage I did um, with some, I used to be obsessed with fertility figures. So it's kind of like a floating fertility figure in the middle of it. Um, And honestly, I just, it kind of, um, 
for me, it was a shift in how I started to learn from my paintings and see my paintings. I, I see them all as like a study towards something else. Um, they're never really finished, but I just kind of decide to stop at some point because otherwise you just keep going. Um, and so this one's about four feet tall, like three, four by three, I'd say. Um, so it's big-ish, not huge. And um, I'm not being very articulate about it. It's one of the, it's very hard for me to talk about painting for some reason. Um, it's emotional and it's uh, spiritual. And I just, it just felt really right. And it's a space, I feel like with this painting, I kind of brought some of my figure work from the past and the kind of more abstract sort of um, language I had been using together. And I think it's like, it's starting a new um, sort of way of me looking at my paintings and working and sort of like creating more like the yellow spaces in the background, creating a little more space for things to actually like come alive and live in there. Um, but as far as its interpretation, it's all, you know, I think it's a personal, um, I think there's a lot of things happening in there and folks have to just kind of feel it or not. <laughs> no, it's really cool. And I love that you raised the idea of a, um, fertility figure. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the first thing I looked at and I was like, okay, I wonder if I'm supposed to see that or not. <laughs> oh yeah, you are. Oh, she's, she's front, she's front and center there. Yeah, you can't <laughs> miss her. She got something to show. Um, no, and I I just love the old fertility figures. I mean, every time I go to the DIA, I don't know. I just they just get me. They and just like the symbolism and the body, like it's just you just I don't know. We we you just I just feel them, and I don't know this shape kind of it just she just kind of came alive. Like the collage cutout already kind of had a shape. And so this was my also first experiment is like using like a small collage as a template for a painting or like an inspiration or a sketch for a painting. And it totally didn't work. It was completely a failed experiment. But I salvaged her out of that and then kind of let go of it trying to be something else and just let it the rest of it just kind of did its thing. And yeah. I love how awesome. the painting like it it's so easily go like jogs a line between like just like abstraction and also like and figuration you know mm. like being able to shift sorry my cat's going a little crazy no, it's okay <laughs> being able to shift um just like kind of like what like almost like like what facet do i want to like pull to the forefront as a viewer mm -hmm. when i'm looking at it like you know i immediately got like the figure almost like you know it's like standing in this like beautiful garden how some of those like little mm -hmm. all the green touches on the left side and like in the pinks and the yellows it's like i just saw like flower bouquets and I love flower bouquet. That's my other favorite art. And over over quarantine, I I had a pile on my porch of dead flower arrangements like this big, and I was doing lots of flower studies at the time um, as well. I just love the. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a realist. I I was never a person that did still lifes. That was never my jam. But I really found that this time the, the last year and a half and this painting was kind of like this little culmination of all of those things and it just worked this one time and i'm hoping maybe again in the future it will again maybe. yeah um, that's beautiful and kudos to both of you all for that expansion idea too to go from a collage to a painting or from a mm -hmm. drawing to a sculpture i feel like that doesn't always happen like sometimes mm -hmm. you just stop and don't mm -hmm. give yourself enough space to go bigger. So I think mm -hmm. you both went bigger on oh, this. Thank you. Um, and I do just want to wrap up our wonderful conversation <laughs> with um, just ways people can support you or if there are any things happening virtually or in person right now that people can check out. Um, I, got, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, rest. Come on, break. <laughs> Uh, massage and a facial. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I, so the the show I had a show open at M Contemporary Art on Ferndale. Uh, in Ferndale, it's on Nine Mile. Um, I know it. Like I can't right wait to go see it. Yeah, just like a little two person show with a buddy buddy of mine, Grant Chewy. Um, also works with the gallery. He's actually getting his. He's also in school right now. Um, but yeah, it was a really, it was a really fun project for us to kind. Of, 
come back and work on. And so, yeah, if you know, once, uh, if, if weather, weather willing, you know, go, go check we- it out. Weather's you know? beautifully muggy hot here right now. It's a mug fest. <laughs> it, is, it just started pouring outside my window right now. I was like, Oh, did I just, I was like, not, nah, I can't anymore. I'm done with monsoons. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, so I think that's that's the only other thing uh, that I that I got going on, and hopefully, you know, yeah, I'll say that. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I I guess look out for any events happening at Pops Packing. We have some residents coming in. Um, we have one now, and then Lakila Brown is coming in um, in July. Oh, amazing! Love you know, La- you know Lakila? Not personally, oh, just just oh. I just know oh, the you work. Know her work. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, she has a show coming up at Reyes Finn. I haven't been there, but I guess it's a fancy place somewhere down in Cortez. That's nice what they just Marie Herman. Is Marie it? Herman just had a show. I think it just closed there on Saturday. Yeah, Marie's really work is beautiful. Show. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Marie's work. I love I saw Lakila's work at um I went to school with Lakila at CCS. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we go back, but so yeah, that'll be exciting. And then we'll probably have some events here at Pops coming up at some point or not. I'm floating. <laughs> I'm like, what whatever <laughs> happens, happens. Ain't no the telling. grant report is due. Eh, maybe I'll work on that. I don't know. You just gotta, yeah. you just gotta roll with the punches, you know? I just, know. Just roll with them. Yeah. Seems Imani, to be the vibe. It was really nice to meet you, Scott. Yeah, it's really nice to meet you yeah. as well. Amani, thank you so much for Amani, absolutely. inviting us. You know? Yes, I'm so excited. Um, but this was wonderful. And I thank, thank you, you all for being open and honest and transparent because I know it's just not easy. It's not an easy conversation to have. No, it's, it was great. It was I nice appreciate to, the it was opportunity. Nice to think about these yeah. things. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to all meet right. you both in person. I look forward to that. Yes, too. me <laughs> too. All right. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Shout out to the artists who joined me. I'm your host, Imani Mixon, and this is Subject Matters, a podcast by Kresge Arts in Detroit and Red Bull Arts Detroit. Thanks for listening.